Hi, everybody. Oh, thanks for the, for the golf claps. Yeah, okay, great. Glad you're all here. If you have your Bibles, you can open to 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to be in that place, 1 Corinthians 12 tonight. Um, so, who here likes adventure? Anybody like it? Yeah, man. I'm all about adventure. Adventure is really fun. And we are all in for an adventure tonight. Okay? Every single one of us is in for an adventure tonight. And this is the case like every time we come together because the Lord is involved. And so who knows what's going to happen. But I feel like today has its own special flair. So, uh, Brian Howard. Anybody know Brian Howard? Yeah, that guy. So he was actually supposed to be up here preaching tonight. He was supposed to be up here and... uh, to his great disappointment, <laughs> to his great disappointment. I mean, he was like super bummed and frustrated about it. He couldn't be here. He couldn't be here. So last night, uh, he wasn't feeling well. And in these times, that means you don't show up to things like this, right? <laughs> right? So in caring for all of us, he is not here to preach tonight, even though that really ate at him. Uh, but what that means is that here I am, and we're going to figure this out. So thankfully, Brian sent me his notes, and I took some time today, and I wrote things over it. And we are going to get a mishmash mod podge thing between Brian and I, but the good news is that the Holy Spirit guides it all, and that it all comes from his word. Amen? So... Tonight, we are all getting to explore what's going to happen tonight. It's going to be quite an adventure. I'm excited about it. It's something to look forward to, and we'll figure it out. Um, So if you're just joining us, um, or even if you've been with us, I think it's good to refresh and kind of frame out where where we are and where we've been. Uh, We're talking about spiritual realities. That's what we've been talking about, is spiritual realities. And... um, uh, we've, as we've been doing that, we're, we're slowly continuing to toe the line of uh, the reality of spiritual warfare. And we're making our way into that. And, and we're actually, we're not just making our way in, we are in it as we're talking about it. Last week, we talked about the kingdom of God and what it is that we're actually fighting for. Like, what are we fighting for is so much more important than what we're fighting against. And so that's what we talked about last week, and specifically, like, what is the kingdom of God, um, and what is, what is it that is against it? And basically, we have the kingdom of God, and then we've got everything that's not the kingdom of God. Those are, those are the two realms that are at war within, within not just the spiritual realm, but our physical realm, all of it. It impacts everything. So these are the two, the two realms that are at war, and... Um, Okay, yeah. See, we're all going to have to be patient together. We fight, we fight what is outside of his kingdom. So anything that's contrary to what God is up to and into and all about, that's what we are, fight, we are fighting. But we're fighting for his kingdom to advance over that, to advance over that. And tonight, talking about taking ground in that battle. What is it to take ground? You know, taking ground in that, ma- in that battle means bringing his kingdom where it's not in the most simple way. It means toppling over all that is in opposition to him or contrary to him. And that means spiritual beings, demonic forces, right? That means toppling over the thoughts and attitudes within ourselves that are contrary to what is true and right. 
that is contrary to who God is and who we are in him. That means uh, toppling over the lies and false teachings that might come up. That means anything and everything that flows and results from the crooked and depraved mind, which we're all victims of, that we all suffer with. It means stamping out our, our dissensions so that we might have unity or being patient and, non, and the non-anxious one when everyone else is hurried and rushed and frazzled. In the most fundamental way for us to take ground in this battle involves us fulfilling our ministry. To take ground in this battle involves us fulfilling our ministry, right? You see that in the subtitle. I hope you, uh, the, the visual learners or the people who are about words were like, oh yes, I saw that a while ago. So, we need to engage in our ministry, in the ministry that God has given us. And that is actual, that's like, that is spiritual warfare. That is what it is to take ground. And, and that plays out in a bunch of ways. And we're going to talk about some of it. But, but one of the things is that like at the most root thing, we are actively engaging in the rescue and redemption of the world. Like the rescue and the redemption of the world is what we are participating in, is what we are fighting to see happen everywhere, at every turn. And the most fundamental thing is sharing the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, right? To see his gospel, his salvation, as Jake spoke about. Thank you, Jacob, for sharing that. Thank you for revealing your heart to us through that and leading us into his presence and the truth of who he is. Thank you, brother. But as Jake shared about that, right? Like that is a fundamental thing. If, if you're leading someone into and, and through a relationship with him, and I just want to emphasize the through. We don't want to just say, hey, here's Jesus. We want to then walk with them in that life. And that's why we need each other. That's why we're here. Because it's not just being like, oh, you got Jesus now? Great. You and him, you're on your own. No. It's you got Jesus now? Great. We're in this together. Let's keep going. Let's go together. Let's see what he has in mind for us. Until he decides to part us, we're in this together. And that's how we go about it. We also see the advancement of his kingdom taking ground by embracing our ministry if we are loving, con lovingly confronting the reality of a friend's life so that they may repent and be restored. Like these are, these are little ways, these are big ways, these are the realities of what it is to fight in this battle. It's not as dramatic and wild as you might think. Sometimes it is, sure, yes, definitely, absolutely. But most of the time, it, it's much more every day. So much more every day. So let's jump in here to what Brian had in mind um, and what the Spirit of God wants to share with all of us, right? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so this is a discussion. Great. I'm happy about that. Um, so uh, Brian kind of set this up, and I really like what he did at the beginning here uh, to get us in this conversation. And uh, he makes this statement up top. There are two kinds of churches in the world. There are two kinds of churches in the world. The first is the restaurant church. The restaurant church where you show up and you expect to be served. You are seated at a table. You order off the menu. This sermon, this worship style, this class, this event, these people and you pick and choose, and you find your way through it. You get what you order, and then you evaluate. You evaluate. 
And you decide whether you're coming back based on what it did or didn't provide for you. It's a restaurant church. But then there's the family dinner table church. And that's different, right? That's real different. Like someone you know cooked the food. So whether it's good or bad, that you're going to respond differently than if you're like, well, I've had better potatoes. You know, these hash browns, they're a little overdone. Like you might do at a restaurant, it's different when it's your family. It's different when it's a home you've been invited to and there's a table there. Like you, you are there for the people first and the meal secondarily. The people first and the meal secondarily. And you help maybe with the dishes or if it's in our house, the hope, not expectation because you're guests, but the hope would be you'd play with the children <laughs> and help in the joy and the life of getting that going so that I could do dishes. <laughs> Right? You're involved in more things. You don't just show up, eat, and walk out. You participate in what's going on in that home. You know, you come back because you love the family and not because what you get out of it. Not because it was a free meal, but because you care about those people. And I think this is really important. He, he wrote this little part, and I'm just going to read it. I'll figure out how to read it if it's like third person or something. I don't know. Um, and, but I think it speaks to a very, very salient, very real thing for us as, as a congregation and probably just about any church, almost every church. A little under two years ago, something happened, right? COVID. And, and there was this like huge pivot and it was a hard pivot for just about everybody. I don't know. There's some wild people who are like, that was fantastic. I don't know, maybe. I haven't met them, but maybe they exist. I don't want to speak in absolutes that they don't. Anyway, we made this hard pivot to online only. We did that for four months, three months, something like that. At least here, that's what we did. Online only. And that very much put us in the restaurant footing. Totally put us in the restaurant footing. And even coming out of that, uh, being outside and making our way into the big room, but continuing to be a, a place for every single one of you, whether it's here at this church, whether it's I, with your extended family, right? We had social distancing, we had masking, we had all this stuff, and it just continued to hold us at sep separate from one another. And so when we came to a place like a church, when we came to a place like this tonight, what else could you do but come for the restaurant part of it? Right? We were forced into that. And that's something that just, one, isn't sustainable. But two, that's not biblical. That's not what we're called to be. We're called to be the church, which, like the cliche, but the reality is, right, that's not the building, it's the people, right? Every, I just thought of that. I haven't done that in a long time. I should do that with my kids. Like, here's the church, the door, steeple, open the doors, and there's all the people. The people are what it's all about. Like, that's why we're here. And that's the funnest part of that whole little thing, right? Like, if you've ever done that with the kids, like, like, okay, 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 the people! And they're like, ah, yeah, it's so fun. Like, and that should be our same posture. To come into this place, to come, if this isn't your home church, or if this is your first time in a church, I just want to encourage you. If it's not this place, it's, I, I really hope it's someplace where you can show up and say, I'm here for the people. Man, am I excited to be here with that guy. 
you know, like, I've never met that guy, but I'm excited he's here, you know, like, I'm here for the people. This is what excites me. I'm here for this. So that's the church we want to be. And I'll just acknowledge, right? Like we moved out of the main sanctuary into this place literally because of this. Like, because we're like, how how do we break down this pattern that probably many of you, whether you're aware of it or not, um, myself, Sarah, like a lot of us have had this pattern of like, especially on that giant stage, it's like, I'm here to perform for all of you. I got to be real with you. That's how it's felt to me at times. And that's the burden I've walked into this place with at times. Oh boy, I got to deliver. I got to deliver. Oh, they need me to deliver. I have to deliver. And man, that is, that is so backwards to what it actually is. All of us, n- none of us, none of the people up here, myself, Sarah, anybody who has been on stage at any one moment, anybody that greeted you walking in, the prayer team, none of us are performing. All of us are in the audience. All of us get to wait and see what God is going to do tonight. All of us get to, to be eager for, Lord, you're here and I'm here, and these people are here, and let's see what happens, right? And that's, we all need to take in that mindset because God reveals himself through his people, through his people. So come excited for the people because it's in and through the people that God is gonna meet you, and he's gonna change your life. He's gonna mobilize you. Also, it's through you that he's gonna change them and influence you and encourage you and mobilize you for the good of the other. So good. And that's kind of at the heart of what we're talking about tonight. All right. There's a slide, I think. Next slide. <laughs> yeah. Okay, great. We're on track. Become To become more like Jesus, you must move from here's my order to how can I help. To become more like Jesus, you got to move from here's my order to how can I help. And notice it's, it's about becoming more like Jesus. It's not, about, uh, it's not about like doing what Brian says or what I'm like. It's about becoming more like him. That's how he operated. So 1 Corinthians 12, that's where I said we'd be. You can go ahead and open up there. We're going to be at verse 1. Verse 1, that's just where we're going to start with just the first one. It goes like this. This is Paul writing to the Corinthian church. And he writes, Now, about the gifts of the Spirit, Brothers and sisters, I I do not want you to be uninformed about the gifts of the Spirit. I do not want you to be uninformed. And so as we read Scripture, we always need to think about, wait, what is he saying here? We've got to slow down and really process it. And so Paul clearly has this burden uh, for the people there, and, and it's clear what it is, that they would not be uninformed about spiritual gifts that they would not be uninformed about spiritual gifts. Now, when we process this stuff, when we think deeply about what it is, this reveals an assumption that's, that's underneath what Paul has written. He wants them to not be uninformed about spiritual gifts. What's the assumption? That some of them are uninformed about spiritual gifts, right? That some of them are uninformed about it. And, and to that church, and just to, to our church as well, that might mean you're sitting here going, spiritual gifts? No idea what you're talking about. You know, people have no idea. They're just like, I've never heard of this. Or, or maybe it's just like, well, I've heard of it, but I still don't, what? 
And so in that case, the uninformed, there's, there's a layer to that, right? But a different part of being uninformed is when you're misinformed. Maybe you know about spiritual gifts. Maybe you're like putting them into practice, but, but you actually just are a little misinformed about it. And it's playing out in some weird ways. And so he wants us not to be uninformed about spiritual gifts are, not just for the person who's never heard of it, but for the person who's misunderstanding it and perhaps misusing it. So that's what we're diving into, right? Uh, I just want to point out to you, like, if you're sitting here and you're thinking that I don't want to be misinformed, I want to be corrected so I know exactly what it's like or what it is. A little bit of this is you kind of got to punt on that. The walk with Jesus is kind of about continually grasping until we're home with him and we can see fully. You, you may, you may think right now like, oh no, I'm like solid. Like this is like, right. I'm the pastor. I'm preaching this. Apparently, supposedly, oh, I'm supposed to know what spiritual gifts are, right? Because I'm about to inform you so that you get it right. Guess what? I'm learning too, and I'm going to be till the day I die. And so will you. And that's the posture we need to carry about all of us, that we continue to be eager and curious. Lord, what do you have? What does this mean? How do I use it? How does this play out? That's what God is continually calling us to. And I I don't want to use the word never because I haven't thought about this hard enough to, you know, I just scribbled some notes down. But this thought came to mind that the things of God and his kingdom are rarely mastered. Maybe never, but I don't know. I got to think about that more. And if you think you've mastered an aspect of following God, perhaps you've become proud. Yes. And God opposes the proud. Yeah. That is not of his kingdom. We need to continually be in the place of saying, Lord, I am weak. Last week I said it a bunch, I'm an idiot. <laughs> but you are strong and you will lift me up. In my weakness, you will lift me higher than I could ever go on my own. So show me, Lord, show me. And that is the position and the, the mindset and the prayer that we should have until the day you die. On that deathbed, that prayer is still valid. Amen? Amen. Amen. So I think it's another slide. Paul assumes there are Christians who neglect their spiritual gifts or misunderstand them, Right? That's his assumption here. And it's easy for Christians like you and me to think about them and just kind of focus on other things. Not to think about them. There we go. Not to think about them, but to focus on other things. To not think about our gifts. To not think about how can I use them. To not think about how can I exercise them and expand them. To not think, what does God intend for this? Uh, Because then there's pressure because then there's my weakness, or because then there's my lack of understanding and knowledge, or whatever it might be, my lack of faith. So we'd rather just like skirt it, right? We'd rather just set it off to the side. Maybe that's not you, but I think that's uh, some of us. But the reality is both you and the church suffer when you don't know and use your spiritual gifts. You and the church suffer when you don't use your spiritual gifts, when you don't know them and when you don't use them. You miss out when you don't know and use your spiritual gifts. Like, 
We're going to talk about both aspects of this, the the part that you miss out and the church misses out. We're going to start on the you part because that's what most of us are most concerned about. It's ourselves, right? The you part. Uh, So for myself, um, I have the gift of hospitality. And I'm thankful for that. I'm really grateful for that God has given me the grace of the gift of hospitality and the way he's used that in my life. And he's used that for other people through my life. In the Greek, in the original, in the New Testament, the word that we see translated as hospitality is xenophilia. Xenophilia. Might sound familiar. You think of xenophobia, which is the fear of strangers. Xenophilia is the love of strangers to love strangers, to welcome them into your life, to welcome them into your life. You know, most often I think the, the like caricature we have of hospitality is like, I'm really good at decorating a table. And that's an element of it. That is. Or I invite people into my home so they can sleep in a bed or give them food. And these are all elements of hospitality. Like, like the home part, like when you invite someone into your home, you're inviting them into your life yeah. in like a real way. And you may not have realized this. And I did it until I talked with Dick Thompson about that this afternoon. And I was like, oh, thank you, Dick. This was really helpful because I needed to figure this out. And he was telling me about how when you invite someone into your home, you're inviting them into your life in a very real and substantive way. It's very vulnerable. They see your family or whoever you live with. They see the relational dynamic there. That is vulnerable. You're inviting a stranger. You're welcoming them into your life. They see the books you have on the bookshelf. They see the paintings on the wall or whatever's on your wall or the lack thereof. They see it all. And all of those things have somehow a story connected to them that reveals something about who you are. And so if you're willing to bring someone into your home, maybe it's even the food you cook, whatever it is, or how terrible you are at cooking food but you're inviting them in to know you. You're welcoming a stranger. You're opening yourself up to them. You're loving the stranger. And that's what it actually is when we invite someone into our home, how hospitality reflects. So some of you are like, man, I'm really, really bad at centerpieces, so I must not have the gift of hospitality. Kind of, I just want to encourage you, kind of push that idea and think of the broader scale of hospitality. There are probably people in this room who have hospitality that have no concept of like art direction or style, but have been gifted with it and God will use it in crazy, magnificent ways. Like to welcome people into your life, to love a stranger, to love a stranger and bring them into your life. That means sharing with them the loves you have, the things you care about. Maybe it means opening and inviting them into your relationships. In this room, that is tangible. Like if you're in here and you're sitting with someone you know or that is a close friend to you, someone else might have walked into this room and doesn't have that. Are you going to invite them into it? Are you going to share that with them? Are you going to love that stranger? And some of you, that sounds really hard, but some of you, you're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's how I do it. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality. Don't waste it. Leverage it to push back the darkness and advance his kingdom. Amen? It's also about sharing your experiences. It's all about revealing more of yourself for their sake. That's hospitality. I'm thankful I have that gift. And 
where I, why I thought I'd talk about this is because uh, for me, that played out, that's played out in a lot of ways, and I'm so thankful for it. But one in particular that stands out is when I worked at Forest Home, which is a camp in the mountains. Um, I was the director of recreation, which makes a lot of sense when you hear this story. The, every summer, we'd hire 30 plus, you know, 30 to 60 summer staff that were all college students for the most part. And, and they'd all show up uh, the last week of May. And they're all strangers to me. Like I read like, you know, uh, application or something, but I don't know them. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. They're strangers. And they're strangers to one another, right? They don't know each other. And, and I'm so thankful the way that, that this gift of hospitality went to work in that place. I'm so thankful for it. You see, um, I love adventure. I said that earlier. And I love God's creation. I love it. And I love God. I, I, like, I have seen him through his creation in such powerful ways. For me in particular, I see him in creation. When I'm like, uh, when I need all my monkeys to calm down in the tree, I need to go sit under a tree or have a view or a vista where I can meet with God. Like that's just something so powerful and wonderful to me that God has created me that that's what I need. Some of you, it's like a really dark, warm, cozy nook. And you're like, this is where I need to be closed off. But but that, it's in that space that everything calms down and God meets with you and his face shines upon you and you're like, ah, oh, there you are. And all the monkeys stop like howling and you can hear the birds. And it's so wonderful. Anyway, I'm getting so sidetracked. We'll have to keep track of time. Okay, I like storytelling. Uh, so what I would do, that orientation week, they're all strangers. They don't know each other. And so I would share and invite them into the things I love. And I do that. One of the key ways I would do that, that first orientation week, is I would we'd get everybody in just whatever car people could cram into, and we'd drive up this mountain road up further into the mountains, and there's this dirt turnout, and nobody would know it's anything except where you need to change a flat tire. And you'd pull off, and there's no trails, and I'd be like, all right, everybody, down that hill. And we'd all go down and we'd march down this hill and you'd slide through and there's granite boulders and there's blackberry bushes, which sound wonderful and they are in August, but the rest of the year they're terrible because the thorns are gnarly. And you make your way down and there's this beautiful, beautiful stream at the bottom, just mountain stream. It's like crystal clear and freezing cold. And there's granite boulders everywhere and the steep, 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 steep sides. And you get down to the bottom and, and there's this tunnel. It's really, it's a cave. It's just this rock tunnel that just goes in and it's actually was dug so that uh, the stream can make its way through and get under the road. But you're like hundreds of feet below the road and it's just rock and it just goes into darkness and you can't see in there. And so everybody would, I would prep everybody, right? I love surprises and it's a part of the surprise to be like, okay, one, it's, I want you to wear a swimsuit and don't worry about the boogie boards and uh, bring, a, bring a flashlight. And often not everybody had one, so people would have to share, which I loved. That was the best part. And so we'd get there, and you just see this dark tunnel. And we'd start climbing in, and I'd lead people through it because this is what I love, right? Like, I'm like, I love this. And I want to share it with you. I want you to know it. I want you to participate in this. And all the while, just like the joy on my face, I couldn't help but express. And that's not because... 
that, that the same is true for you, right? There's something you love. And if you have the gift of hospitality, I bet you have experienced this, what I'm talking about, where sharing that with someone is just the best thing in the world, right? You're just like, oh, that was so good. You got to see them light up. You got to see uh, them step into your world and, and, and be blessed by it. And so anyway, I'm sidetracked. We climb down, and you climb all down, and, and it's just, it's really dark. It's pretty scary, actually. And it's wet, the water's flowing through, everything's slippery, and you have to, like, help each other down over ledges and all this kind of stuff. And, and of course, like, to everyone there, this is, like, most of them, this is, like, the most extreme, like, adventure they've ever been on. Like, this is high risk, huge fear, total unknowns. They don't know what's happening. And, and I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, this is good for you. And so you climb down and eventually you, you make your way through it and it's slow going. It's really slow going because you have to help one another. You have to, it, it's hard. And then you get down there and, and suddenly the cave, the tunnel, just the rock slowly turns and you come around this like outcropping and the light just shines up through the other end. And it's like the whole time you're going down, you're like, there's no way there's an end to this. There's no light in here. It's pitch black. But for some reason that you turn the corner and it's just like, I can see everything. And at the end, the, the stream just flows into this beautiful pool and there's rocks and all this sort of stuff that are at the outlet of that, which then goes down to the rest of the mountain to join other streams and stuff. And, um, and then they understand why we brought the boogie boards. Because there's this like long, slick, perfect like slide just all the way into this pond. And so then in this freezing water, we're all like, let's do it. And you dive in. And, and the funny thing is most people are like, it's too cold. But as soon as one person goes and is like, whoa, that was awesome. Then everybody's like, okay, I got to try it. And you, and you just join in on this like experience of risk and adventure and newness and all of it just being so wonderful. And we, you know, it trains and you're throwing people down and it's so fun. And, and some people like go by themselves and they like skip across the water and then like land on the rocks on the other side. And it's like, oh, are you okay? <laughs> like, and it's, it's just like such a wonderful experience. And then once everybody's too cold to keep going, you, you make your way back up the tunnel and you get up to the top. And we always, because of how orientation week worked, it was always like just perfect that like, it'd just be like sunset just as you get up and you just see the alpine glow upon the mountains. And it's just this like, God is with us. He is with us and he has given us this gift of, of an adventurous life, of a life of risk, of a life of unknowns. And yet there's beautiful, wonderful things on the other side of that. It was scary in that tunnel. But man, wasn't that fun? I'm freezing cold, but look at this view. He is with me and he's with you and you shared in that. And now I shared in that. And it was like, that was my hospitality at work. And it makes my heart explode just thinking about it. You can hopefully, maybe that translates, like just thinking about doing that. Like, I really want to do that with all of you. <laughs> like, like, I really want to do that with all of you because it's how God wired me. It's how he made me. And, and when I'm exercising the gift of hospitality, it's the most exhilarating thing that I can, I can do. When I, when I see who God has made me and what I love and, wh and what I have experienced and what I have knowledge about, the things I've discovered, and when I can share that to the blessing and benefit of others and I see them smile and come to life in it, I'm like, oh my gosh, God, this is all I want to do with my life. This is all I want to do with my life. Maybe that's why I'm here. I, 
I mean like here, right here. Like the point is when Oh, okay, yeah. The point is <laughs> cool. I had the story in mind and just put story. <laughs> I didn't think how to bridge it. <laughs> There's nothing in the world as exhilarating. Oh, I nailed that. It's great. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. <laughs> He's good. All right. There's nothing in this world as exhilarating as God using you to be a blessing to someone else. Nothing in this world more exhilarating as God using you to be a blessing to someone else. And that's in the beautiful things and the hard, t- hard things. Like that, that same thing applies to the hard things. Like I know the gift of hospitality in me has been used for people in mourning. For people who have experienced something so tragic that they don't know what to do with it and they don't know how to process it. And how could I be at fault like this? God has used that gift in those same places too. And it's also exhilarating. It's also when I'm most alive, even though it's hard and dark, it's still, this is what God made me for. This is what he put in me and intends to use for the good of this person. And that's the greatest blessing for you. Now let's get to the other part of this, right? What about the church? What about the person that's sitting across from you? At least I think that's where we're going. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll skip some other things here. I'll just kind of go. Oh, no, I should probably cover this. <laughs> ah, to realize that you are doing exactly what God has called you to do. Oh, wait. Okay. Um, thank you. Your patience is wonderful. Uh, that is why Paul doesn't want them to be unaware of their spiritual gifts. That's why he doesn't want them to be unaware of their spiritual gifts because there is nothing more exhilarating and overwhelmingly beautiful than using the gifts God has given you to change someone's life. And our our hope tonight, mine and Brian's and the Holy Spirit's, I believe, is that uh, you will be motivated to... Thank you. (laughs) I'm trying to translate in my mind. Uh, you will be motivated to, to see what is possible and discover and begin using your spiritual gifts. That's my hope. Okay, yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. That seems like a point I should have memorized or something. Um, our hope is that you would step into your gifts. That's, that's the hope of tonight, is that you would step into your gifts. And that's for the sake of you. That's for the sake of our church and the sake of the kingdom. The sake of the battle we're in. God gave it to you on purpose. He gave it to you for a reason. And it's not just for you and your best friend. It's for the whole world. It's for all of eternity. It's for time itself and every person within it. The kingdom needs to advance. And so we hope you step into your giftings. You discover them and then you use them for the sake of everybody else. Okay, our church suffers when not everyone knows and uses their spiritual gifts. I really appreciate your patience. Okay, we'll just keep rolling. We kind of covered this, right? We kind of got this? Did we? 
church suffers when not everyone knows and uses their spiritual gifts. Yeah, we'll keep we'll keep rolling. Okay. If you have questions, we'll connect later. Okay. The mission of the church is too important not to have 100% of us knowing and using our spiritual gifts. Yeah, okay, yeah, we got that. There is a war going on and ground to be taken for the kingdom of God. That's why we got to use our gifts. Um, this life uh, is life and death. It's life and death. It's heaven and hell. It's justice and mercy. It's God's glory. Like this is what we fight for. Life and death, heaven, hell, justice, mercy, and a myriad of other things. We're fighting for his kingdom to advance, for the light of God's kingdom to advance in this world. Okay, verse 2. Let's go. So, you, this is Paul writing again. You guys with me? Okay, thanks for the nods. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus, be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So, Brian's talked about this in the past. We've mentioned it, that like, it's easy to write off like, oh, pagan idols, like a carved image, like idols are real uh, in your life, probably. Yeah. I think I can say that pretty straightforwardly. There are idols in your life. Things that supplant God the creator as preeminent in your life. It may be fame. It may be money. It may be good looks. It may be that boyfriend. It may be a whole bunch of things. It may be peace itself. You're like, I just want peace, and I'm striving for it with all my heart and everything I have. Until you relinquish that and grab a hold of the Lord, you won't find what you actually need. So we all have idols, and he talks about, like, you, you may have been following that. You may have been going after that, but the hope that he's speaking into this is that you've left that, and he wants to encourage people of how to discern where they're at. And the, the point is, if, if, if a spirit says, Jesus, be cursed, it's not the spirit of God. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. And so what Brian wrote here. So what I want us to focus on in this last piece is that nobody can say Jesus is Lord except by the Spirit. Clearly, that does not mean they cannot literally mouth the words. I just did, right? And I think I have the Spirit of God. I, I, I know it. It may sound bold, but I think some of you need to be so bold yeah. and less fearful. Yeah. I have the Spirit of God, yet I just mouth those words. So it's not literally talking about just saying the words. It's not just the act of saying, Jesus, be cursed. The point is that the person who says Jesus is Lord is saved. If you are saved, if you have believed in the death, burial, and resurrection and what that means for your life and embraced it and embraced him, then you have said Jesus is Lord. You've said it with your life. You've said it with your whole heart, with your whole being. You have said Jesus is Lord. And no one can do that except by the Holy Spirit except by the Holy Spirit. And anyone who says Jesus is cursed with their heart and with their life, that is not of God. Okay. Mm -hmm. Here's why that matters. Oh, Paul is clearly teaching that you, not, you cannot be saved except by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, okay, we kind of covered that. Here's why this matters. 
This is fun. Thanks, guys. Here's why this matters. The devil's going to lie to you. He's going to lie to you. He's going to try to convince you that you have sinned too much, that you have not prayed enough, that you haven't read your Bible enough, that you haven't gone to church enough, that you don't care enough, whatever it might be. He's, he's, in other words, he's going to convince you that you have not lost your salvation or that you have lost your salvation. He's going to try and convince you of that. And some of you might be living under that. I think that's why some of you need to embrace, I have the Spirit of God. And you need to say it with that same authority and confidence because you do. You are saved. In that way, you're fighting back that devil. You're toppling him over and saying, I will not listen to you. I am saved. Jesus is Lord. He's Lord of my life. And he is with me. See, the devil will try and tell you that you are lost. You tell him that he's a liar and Jesus is Lord. The devil will try to tell you that your sins will cost you your salvation. You tell him that Jesus Christ has already paid that cost. The devil will try to tell you that you are no longer worthy to be called, called God's child. You tell him that you were never worthy. You were never worthy in the first place, but the Father saved you anyway. That may be hard to hear, but that's what we got to embrace. Our weakness. And in that place, we can see his marvelous love. That he has lifted us up. Whoa. And in that, against that, all those all the enemy's lies just sort of crumble. It can't stand against his love. It can't stand against his grace. It can't stand against the thing that he's like, that Jesus died for you. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The reality of that, you're a sinner, you're weak, you cannot save yourself, you cannot make things right, you cannot make this world right, you cannot bring real justice, you probably don't even know what it is, none of us really do. Like to accept our weakness and embrace it, and in, in that darkness see the light of God coming in, just because he's good. Like he wages this war out of pure benevolence, I said this last week. He wages this war out of pure benevolence. And he's like, and he's victorious when we say, I think I want to let you win. He says, great, done, you're mine. And you are with me. And there's nothing that can separate us from that. And against that, the lies of the enemy just crumble. They just crumble. So I want to encourage some of you, you're dealing with uh, doubt. If you're dealing with fear, that, Lord, are you really with me? Lord, have you really rescued me? I want you to return to the gospel itself. Just go back to it. Just go back to the fact that I am a sinner and you saved me. I'm a sinner and you saved me. Just keep returning to that. So, yeah, great. <laughs> Really glad you guys. Thank you, Josh. Helps lighten my heart. Okay, I got to figure out. I got to figure this out. One moment. How did how did we get here? Yeah, let's just move on to verse four. Great, thanks. Okay, verse four. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. 
There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. The claim here is that in everyone, there are gifts, not just in some people, but in all people. And, and there are spiritual gifts that are given to you through the Holy Spirit because of your salvation. They are from God and not of yourself. There's no reason for pride in your spiritual gifts. My gift of hospitality is not something I can boast in. I didn't make it happen. He's doing, he put it there. He did, some, and that's true about every aspect of your life. If you're like, man, aren't I pretty? <laughs> yeah, that's weird. <laughs> I think that often, if you didn't know. <laughs> If there's something about yourself that you're like, man, I'm just so awesome. Did you create yourself? No. God did. So you can't even take, you can't even take credit for that stuff. You can't even take credit for it. There's no reason for pride, just for gratitude. That's it. So they are from God and not of yourself because they are of him and not you. They will not contradict him. They will not contradict him. The gifts of the Spirit, because they are from him and not you, they will not contradict him. That's kind of why we have this whole, like, of the same Lord and the same Spirit and of the same God. It's like, it's him at the center of all this, and nothing will contradict him. It's all consistent with him. You savvy? Great. So, you have a spiritual gift. Amen? Amen. Amen. And you might have multiple gifts. And there might be times where God gives you gifts in a moment. The only real question is, have you gone looking for it and are you using it? That's the only real question here, right? And so Brian had a wonderful illustration and of course I'm following through on it. Okay. One of you under your chair has a Starbucks gift card. Go ahead and look now. Go ahead and look now. Now, this has some flaws and we'll get into that. Before service, I taped taped a gift card under one of the chairs. Anybody find it? All right. Yoo-hoo. Okay. Okay. Yay. Okay, this is flawed because, like, God doesn't operate like this. Like, you know, there's, like, 150 of you, and 149 of you are, like, oh, (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, I had hoped and then, but no. So this is flawed, right? Okay, I would actually want to give you these two things that Brian wrote out here because I think they're fun. I just love this. Okay, one reason this metaphor is bad, and then he came up with this. So this is great that he's calling it bad. One reason this metaphor is bad. It's bad metaphor because really, all of you should have a gift card under your chair, right? Yes, yes. I cannot afford that. <laughs> I cannot afford that. There's practical reasons to this being a bad metaphor. So I hope you enjoy it. <laughs> now, the one reason this is a good metaphor, and all of you just like, you know, have some empathy and like put yourself in her position, okay? Here's why this is a good metaphor. The gift has been sitting under your chair the whole time. It's been there. It's been there this whole time. You just didn't look for it. You just didn't look for it. And the point of all this 
is that when you don't look for the gift, you won't be able to use it to the fullest. You got to look. Have you looked? Have you asked? Three things to notice. Three points here. One, it is a gift and you did nothing to earn it. It's true of the gift card, right? It's true of that gift card. Like, you're not like the person I like most in this room. Sorry. Uh, I don't, I didn't put it there beforehand thinking you're going to sit there. Yes. I didn't know. I didn't know. You, I'm sorry you didn't earn it. It's a gift. You just received it, right? I hope we can meet later. I, have we, I don't know if we've met before. It's hard to tell. The light's bright. Hopefully we can meet later. Wow, this is going downhill. Okay. <laughs> okay. So you didn't earn it. You didn't earn it, right? The gift card, you didn't, you didn't earn it. It's true of spiritual gifts too, right? You didn't earn or deserve or merit spiritual gifting. It's just a gift. So delight in whatever you've received. Delight in whatever he's given you. Be glad he's given you something. And say, Lord, thank you. Use this to your ends. Be thankful for it. Next, it has been there the whole time. But you had to discover it. It's true of the gift card. You could have found that 30 minutes ago. <laughs> you could have found it 30, 30 minutes ago. You just didn't look. And it's true of spiritual gifts. You have to discover it. You have to learn about it. You have to think about it. You have to put it into practice and exercise it. You have to find out how has God gifted me. You have to look for it. Third, it's only valuable if you actually use it. Like, like the, that gift card's worthless unless you t- go to Starbucks and use it. It's, it's worthless. The same is true of spiritual gifts. Like you having information about spiritual gifting does not make them valuable. You using your spiritual gifts is what makes them valuable. And if at first you don't know what to do with it, practice. Practice. And it's a lifelong practice of praying and obeying, like and praying, Lord, how would you use me and my gift in this moment? Yeah. And praying that over and over. Yeah, right. And over time, he'll take you to some wild places. Yeah. And he'll use your gift in ways you thought were not possible. Yeah. He will show you new horizons. Like in him, there is no horizon. And so we have this constant adventure when we pray that prayer. When we say, Lord, here I am in this moment. How would you like to use me? And how would you like to use what you've given me? And he'll expand it to the point to where you're like, whoa, cool. That's fun. Who knew? He did. So verse seven. Now to each one, the manifestation of the spirit is given for the common good. For the common good. Why do you have the gift? Why did God give it to you? It's for the common good. Meaning it isn't for you. Now you get to enjoy using it and exercising it, but it's not meant for your ends. It's not for your fame. It's not for you, for you to make money. It's not for your pleasure. And if you come across somebody who is exercising spiritual gifting for anything other than the benefit of someone else, be weary. Yeah. Yeah. Be cautious. That might not be of God. Yeah. That's, that might not be of his kingdom. It's for the good of others. And you will always know you're using spiritual gifting when you're building other people up. You will always know you're using your spiritual gifting when you're building other people up. This is why it's warfare. 
This is why it's warfare. Like John 10, 10, the thief came to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the fullest. The enemy's intent is for our destruction. God's intent and what he calls us to participate with him in is building people up. They, they might have life to the fullest. And so it, we're, we need to use our gifting for the benefit and building up of others. The use of our spiritual gifts is warfare. It is warfare. It's beaten back the enemy. It's beaten back destruction. It's beaten back death. It's, it, it's beaten back, back theft. I guess that was in that verse too. <laughs> Using our gifting uh, like just undercuts the enemy and advances the kingdom of God. Yeah. Okay. Some gifts here. There was probably like a catchy transition he had for this. Uh, oh, so exampling of what, okay, thank you guys. Okay, let's just talk about a couple gifts and what this might look like just in a sentence. Administration, the gift of administration. How do we use it for the building up of others? Or how can you see if you're really using that gift of administration in a way that is, that is honoring God and is doing what it was meant to accomplish? Well, you might say, I really seem to help groups of people get organized. Notice it's about others. It's about other people. It's about the groups of people. Mercy. People seem to really gravitate toward me when they are in pain. It's about others. Wisdom. People, like, wholeheartedly really seem to benefit from my insights and wisdom. It's about them. Evangelism. For whatever reason, when I talk to people far from God, they're willing to listen. It's about them. Those are the gifts of God at work. And they're not about the person who has them. They're entirely about others. Verse 8. To one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another faith by the same Spirit. To another gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another miraculous powers. To another prophecy. To another distinguishing between Spirits. To another speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another the interpretation of tongues. So the list that we have here in 1 Corinthians 12 goes like this. We have wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, discernment, speaking in tongues, and interpretation in tongue, of tongues. These are some of the gifts of the Spirit that are given. Now, I'm not going to go line by line through all of this to really dive into it. We don't really have time for that. In fact, I'm going way over. Shouldn't have told that story so extremely. <laughs> If you, um, I guess I want to give you a few ways to figure out what is your spiritual gifting. So here's some lists, right, like of spiritual gifting, but what are yours? Oh, great, lists. Okay. Right, yes. Okay, great. I can't read it up there. It's too small. And that one's off. Sorry, guys. Figure that out next week. Um, so if you look through this, we're just, you can look at it. There's, there's a couple places in Scripture where you can see that different spiritual gifts are lists, listed. One of them, Romans 12. Another one, 1 Corinthians 12. Another, Ephesians 4. Another, 1 Peter. And these gifts, some of them duplicate. Others are unique to certain categories. Um, but this is the comprehensive list of spiritual gifts. This is the comprehensive list of what God uh, might gift super, supernaturally, not superficially, um, supernaturally 
for the benefit of others that they that you may yeah okay so everybody got that hopefully maybe we can find a way to post this later that'd be helpful great okay so follow us on social media if you're trying to take pictures sarah will post it and you can find it there um so uh a couple resources here yeah is there a slide diane with the text number We'll find it. As she finds it, here's what I want to encourage you. So there's there's like, oh, great. Okay. So um, there's a bunch of these like spiritual gifts tests you could take, right? They're, they're just like, they're just like all the things that you do, you know, like, I'm, I'm, which Disney, Disney princess am I? I don't know, because I haven't taken that test. Um, and so, well, this is maybe more meaningful. Yeah. Um, it is more meaningful. So if uh, just an option for you, we want to, you can text gifts to that number. If you are in on the fast, you've already texted this number before, probably. Um, it's the same number. It's the one for all the things we do around here related to like, if you send a text and then you get like resources back. Um, and it'll send you a link to a test where you can like take this and all that sort of stuff. This is not the end all be all. I just wanted to let you know, like this is none of the tests, spiritual gift tests are like God ordained like, I love what Sarah said earlier. Sarah, Sarah said, like, it's not like there's an addendum in the back of, like, the book of Re- Revelation. And it's like, if you're curious about your spiritual gifts, go to www.spiritualgifts.com, and that'll help you out. Like, the, no. Like, these are things that, oh, should I wrap it up? Okay. <laughs> <Figure it out. laughs> okay. Anyway. This, this sort of thing is really just to get you going in the right direction. It's to kind of give you a, 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 to let you know if you're sniffing around the right tree, okay? Like it's to get you in the right place. But ultimately it's through exercising things, just practicing. It's through experimentation in some ways, which may sound wild. I said that in church. But actually that's a lot of what our spiritual life with God is. It's saying, I'm going to try it, Lord. Let's see. And I trust you. And I'm going to look for you. And I'm going to see if anything doesn't align with you. And if it doesn't, I'm out. I'm doing something else. But a lot of it is stepping into things and saying, you there, Lord? Oh, yeah, okay. And you go with it. Another thing I want to encourage you, and this is maybe more important than this test thing. As I've been talking, you may have noticed that there are people in this room whose heads are going, yeah, yeah, yeah. They might know something about spiritual gifts. So go ask them. Go ask them. They, They can help. They can probably help. Or they just, I don't know, have a tick. <laughs> okay. Wow, this is, no, don't go off the rails. What should, what should we cover here? Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, I'll just mention real quick, um, there's an acronym that we use in our classes called SHAPE. Um, we have discipleship classes, 101, 201, 301, 401. And that may sound like, I don't want to go to a class, but I want to encourage you. It's not just about knowledge. We recognize that you are a whole person, that God created you as a whole person. You are not just like a reason bag. That's weird. You don't just operate out of reason and knowledge, but you operate out of feelings. You operate out of experience. You, you operate out of all sorts of things. Um, but most importantly, above all, you operate in and through relationship. 
And that's how God wants to shape us. And so I just want to encourage you, if, if you're like, if you've heard us talk about the discipleship classes before and you're like, no, thanks, I don't need another class. There, yes, we talk about information and things you should know, but it all happens within the context of relationship sitting around a table, getting to know people and processing these things together and letting the spirit of God work among you for the benefit of all. So I just want to encourage you to that. One of the things we talk about in that is shape. It's an acronym. Um, The first is spiritual gifts. You got to discover your shape. You got to discover what God has given you. So first is spiritual gifts. The next is heart. What do you care about? What, what, What do you love? What do you desire? Third is abilities. You know, are you artistic? Uh, are you really good with like building things? Uh, are you athletic? God will use that. It's a part of your shape. It's a part of what God put in you, intended and meant to advance his kingdom. So how are you going to use that? Next is personality. You know, who are you? Are you an introvert? Or are you an extrovert? Are you risky? Do you play it safe? Are you quiet? Or are you loud? Are you funny? Or are you serious? Like, like what God has made you like is a part of how God wants to use you. And maybe I should just say that again for some people. What God has made you like, how God has made you, is a part of how God wants to use you. If there's something in you that you're just like, I just wish, walk that back, that's not of the Lord. All right. And the last is experience. Experiences. What, What have you experienced in life? What joys, what victories have you had? Speak a testimony about that for someone else. What struggles have you had? God's going to use it for the sake of others. I can testify to that in my own life, and I know many of you can too. God gives you experiences. He gives you a shape, all of these things to benefit others, and it's all a part about discovering all of that, the fullness of it, so that it can be leveraged for the sake of the kingdom, so it can be leveraged for advancing his kingdom and pushing back the darkness. It's all about the battle. It's all a part of the battle. Amen? Okay. Real quick, anything left I should talk about? Let's just run through the last slides, Diane, real quick. God has given you what you need to accomplish his purposes through your life. Amen? Every single one of you became a minister the moment you were baptized. Every single one of you became a minister the moment you were baptized. It's not just me because I'm full-time on staff. You know, before I before I came here, I wasn't a full-time pastor. And I'm so thankful that God had revealed to me before that, that when I was driving a street sweeping truck, when I was working in a factory, he had showed me that I am a minister. And there are opportunities I did not miss out on in advancing the kingdom because I understood my vocation. And I didn't confuse my job with my vocation. And I hope for some of you, you ponder that (laughs) and that God does something with that. The only regret I have is that I didn't realize it earlier. I want to spare you of that. Every single one of you became a minister the moment you were baptized. You are a minister. You are a warrior. And you have a battle to fight. God has fully equipped you for that. He's fully equipped you for the battle. So go and fulfill what God has made you for. Amen? Amen. Let's stand and worship. Thank you for your patience. I'm running through this.